Okay. Let's get this show on the road. What am I going to do for an intro? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of a new series we're trying out here on the AM podcast. This show is going to be called Aaron Grumbles About, and it's just going to be the thoughts of yours truly uh, whenever I watch something and want to talk about it. As you can probably guess, uh, recording, perfecting, and releasing the podcast takes a lot of time because 90% of it is Marco's work. <laughs> and so the goal of this series is to have more stuff uploaded in the time between podcasts, as well as give me much needed practice at editing. Um, the idea being that if I can become halfway decent at editing, we can get true episodes of the AM podcast out sooner. Uh, but yeah, this series is going to generally be just me mumbling and grumbling for, God willing, a short amount of time uh, reviewing or discussing or analyzing pieces of media that um, I consume and feel like talking about. And hopefully you guys listening will give me your thoughts on the topics because I'd love to hear them and talk about them with you further. So with that, welcome to Aaron Grumbles About. So for this first episode, and honestly probably the first several episodes of Aaron Grumbles About, I have chosen to talk about uh, the fan favorite Star Wars The Clone Wars. The final season just released on Disney+, and I know Star Wars fans have been eagerly, eagerly awaiting it. However, I can't say that I have been eagerly awaiting it because I have not yet seen the full series, and uh, we're going to be going into my relationship with it here in a second. Anything I say here is not necessarily uh, reflecting of what Marco thinks of the series. This is just my thoughts and my thoughts alone. Just want to get that out there. Hopefully, hopefully I will be enough to keep you all entertained. And now I know you must be asking yourself, Aaron, why, why in God's name are you still talking about Star Wars? And the answer to that, dear listener, is because despite my better judgment, Star Wars remains the franchise that I'm still the most in, as in like, like the most invested it's the most i'm in like i'm deeply deeply rooted in my brain too much of my mental real estate is owned by this franchise for me to just ignore it so i, I may as well talk about it right and ultimately at the end of the day i, I do still love it uh, i love seeing universes fleshed out and world building is one of my absolute favorite elements of fiction and i'm coming from the perspective of someone who has had their understanding of the lore essentially killed off um I was very young in the early 2000s, back when the old 2D cartoon came out before Revenge of the Sith. And uh, the Republic comics by Dark Horse, they were being published. Uh, I played the Bounty Hunter, the Jango Fett game, and the Clone Wars game, and the Republic Commando game, and the old Battlefronts, and read some of the young adult novels, and I had several encyclopedias and visual guides, and all that jazz. Um, but as most of us know, when Disney bought the rights... All that stuff became retconned into what they call Legends material. And because of that giant retcon, or reboot, or whatever it is, uh, my understanding of the Star Wars universe has kind of plummeted. I don't know the lore anymore. I haven't read any of the new comics or books. I haven't paid any attention to the new canon, the Disney canon, other than the three sequel films. Um, but because I remember plenty about the old canon the Legends Clone Wars era, I think it could be very interesting to talk about some of the differences between that era and this new, or I should say newer, canon take on the Clone Wars. Because honestly, uh, the Clone Wars, as someone who was a kid when all of this was happening, 
the Clone Wars is like the coolest period of time in all of Star Wars for kids like me. Uh, it, it put the wars in Star Wars. Obviously, there's no disrespect to the old original trilogy, but uh, this was the first time where like two equally mighty armies clashed in a, in a truly galaxy-wide conflict. Um, it wasn't the underdog story of the tiny band of rebels taking down the Empire. Uh, it was a true back and forth with campaigns and, and tactics and fleshing out characters and their, their changing perspectives on everything that's happening. Naturally, being able to develop so much is the benefit of spreading this conflict across all sorts of storytelling mediums like games and shows and comics. To this day, I believe the Dark Horse Republic comics, um, those comic stories were the best at developing the Clone Wars conflict. Um, there are so many great stories and arcs contained in those volumes, complemented by some incredible illustrations and art styles, and I'd recommend them to anybody who is a Star Wars fan that hasn't already checked them out. But let's talk about Clone Wars. So back in 2003, a 2D, a traditionally animated micro-series called Clone Wars aired on Cartoon Network as one of the first works to directly look at the Clone Wars conflict, um, which concerns the period of time between Episode 2 and Episode 3. Uh, and also, in case uh, you might not be familiar, a micro-series is when episodes are only about five or so minutes long, although the episodes did get longer as the show went on. Now you might think, oh, five minutes, how's that supposed to flesh out anything about worlds or characters? And the answer to that is actually, it's in the style in which these episodes are told. The creator of the micro-series is Gendi Tartakovsky, uh, who is most known as the creator of Samurai Jack and Dexter's Laboratory. And he was also a producer of Powerpuff Girls. And this Clone Wars micro-series is, is very, very, very similar to Samurai Jack. Not just in how it visually looks, but also how it allows for story beats to play out in a way that's almost 100% show, don't tell. Um, and as I said, the main purpose of this show, the old 2003 show, from here on out, we're going to refer to this show as the Gendi show. The main purpose of the Gendi show was to fill the time gap between episodes two and three. But what it gave to us super nerds, super Star Wars fans, was like an abundant feast of content to just look at and, and and pick apart and dissect there's so so many side characters from the movies who were given their moment to shine their spotlight and and for us fans it led to many new favorites general grievous for me was the standout and he quickly became one of my favorite characters so you can imagine my disappointment when episode three came out and he was a chump <laughs> um, Grievous, along with like Mace Windu and Shock T and, and so many others, they got essentially all of their characterizations from this micro-series and the corresponding uh, Dark Horse Republic comic books, because ultimately, no matter how attached a fan may be to a side character, the movies were never going to be about them. So just for them to get something, it was really, really cool, and undoubtedly helped build the world of the Star Wars universe. It made it feel full. And uh, here we are, 17 years later after the Gendy series. Obviously, time has passed, and um, even before Disney bought the rights, a Clone Wars movie was released in 2008, followed by a new Clone Wars 3D animated show, which was also released to Cartoon Network, which essentially replaced the Gendy micro-series as the established canon. That's a whole other conversation as to what's canon and what isn't. 
Um, there used to be like a, a pyramid system with the movies obviously being at the top. I'm not sure what it is now, but uh, it, it wasn't. It, the nice thing about that time was it wasn't like a conflict between fans. They just kind of coexisted peacefully. At least in my mind, they kind of <laughs> they coexisted peacefully. Um, a lot of different creators were working on a lot of different projects in the pre-Disney era, and that somehow was something that I was able to reconcile as a kid. That sometimes all the stories they wouldn't necessarily match up. I imagine it's like that for DC and Marvel fans. Like if you are if you are a hardcore DC or Marvel fan and you have all those interconnecting comic book stories, but somehow you're able to piece it all together. I, I it's kind of like that with the old Legends EU. In any case, the new 3D Clone Wars series directed by Dave Filoni, which I'm just going to refer to that series as the Filoni series. Um, the Filoni series came out in 2008, and I remember being like put off immediately. I watched several episodes of the first season, but I thought the animation was ugly, and that the dialogue was bad, and that ultimately all of it was inferior to the Gendy series. Because it, it's not like the Gendy series had god-tier dialogue or anything, but what it did have were quiet moments allowing for things to play out without having to be told what was happening. The Filoni series is is kind of like the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's always trying to get a quip in, you know, just that kind of jokey joke feel. Um, and yeah, it is made for kids, but I digress. The point is, is that I stopped watching this Clone Wars series in the middle of the first season. Unfortunately, as the years went on, um, I wasn't able to avoid most of the major plot events from this series. Like, I know most of what happens in these series. I just haven't seen how they all play out. And that's why I think that this could be fun to talk about. Because I'm very curious as to what is considered uh, the new hard canon. And what has changed and, and what has been kicked to the street as legends. Um, but if I come off as an old man shaking my cane about the way things used to be, please someone pull the plug on this series. I beg you. So, let's talk about Season 1 of The Clone Wars. I'm not going to go episode by episode. Uh, these are just going to be some general thoughts. I haven't seen the movie, which is where the character of Ahsoka Tano is introduced, and as has her relationship with Anakin and Obi-Wan, and all the rest. However, I, I don't feel like it would be a necessary watch, as it's, it's not difficult for me to accept Ahsoka as Anakin's Padawan. It's kind of interesting from that perspective, though, because characters like Asajj Ventress have been carried over from the Gendi micro-series and the comics into this new canon without getting too much setup. Like, I remember in the Gendi series, Asajj's setup is her fighting in, like, an underground gladiatorial arena to prove herself to Count Dooku. Here, Asajj just shows up in the first episode against Yoda. But I'm guessing she was reintroduced in the movie that you're technically supposed to watch first, but whatever. That's, that's fine. <laughs> um... Going through the episode list here, uh, there, there's 22 episodes of season one. And I'd say I really like about maybe seven episodes. Uh, the rest range from that eh, feeling that I, I remember as a kid back in 08. They range from that feeling to, oh God, not another Jar Jar episode, please. The, the ones I like, they include Rookies, which I understand has become kind of a classic among the fan base. Um, the Ryloth trilogy towards the end, that's really good. And then the Lair of Grievous episode where my boy Kit Fisto gets the spotlight. And that last episode with Cad Bane and the Bounty Hunters was pretty cool. 
ultimately, though, this first season did have a lot of similarities uh, to the Gendy series and that a lot of it felt week to week, almost like an anthology rather than anything that was interrelated. Um, the exceptions there, of course, being the stories that spanned a couple episodes towards the end, like Ryloth. Um, t- it seems to me that this Filoni series does better with the longer arcs than the single episode adventures. Whereas I'd say those single episode adventures, those were the highlights of the Gendi series. Probably in part because the Gendi shorts were mostly under 10 minutes and this show has to fill a 22 minute or longer runtime. And, and that's where you get your cheesy lines and, and, and jokes and all that. Um, this first season of the Filoni series felt a lot more geared towards kids than the Gendi series. And, and, and for me personally, Star Wars is at its best when it does take itself seriously. And I know that sounds funny to say, but I mean, that's how the old movies worked. Like all the interactions, they were believable because they felt human and they were taken as seriously as the universe needed to. Um, and, and the Gendy series, it, it frankly does that more than this first season of the Filoni series has. Um, and I'm hoping that'll change as I continue watching. Uh, but when I say it's more kitty, when I say it's more kitty, I'm not trying to use that as a negative criticism. Uh, it, it just means that I understand who the target audience is and that it isn't necessarily me. This first season has not been without its moments of brutality, which uh, always makes me wince for some reason because I'm like, damn, I, I thought this was a kid show. Um, Star Wars obviously has never been bereft of its fair share of brutality, uh, but sometimes, and especially, especially in the Disney era, it's played for jokes, and again, I'm always going to compare it to the old Legends expanded universe because they were much more mature in in their takes on on this stuff. And um, but other than other than the the general atmospheric kind of gripes that I have, um, <laughs> let's let's talk about every nerd's favorite subject: uh, power scaling, or I suppose rather power fluctuations, because I'm seeing a lot of that in this show. And obviously, uh, context to fights matters, and matchups matter. But there's been this ever-present voice in my head whenever any of the main characters get into fights, and it goes, should they really be struggling here? Should Anakin really be backing off? That that, that sort of thing. And I, I focus on this so much for two main reasons. The first is that my old brain is wired to my old understandings of how strong certain characters were in the old continuity. Uh, For instance, in my opinion, nothing this first season of the Filoni series, nothing in this first season should have given Obi-Wan or Mace Windu any trouble whatsoever. The second reason is that fights in a franchise like Star Wars are, they're what the people came to see. And that they are the root of all tension and conflict in the story. It's an epic. The fights, they are the story. They are the tension. So when you have, for instance, Padawan-level Ahsoka doing just, doing just fine against a Sith apprentice, Asajj Ventress, my brain just kind of goes, Oh. Well... I guess Ahsoka's just that good, but she isn't, at least not yet at this point in the story. The point is that the depiction of how strong each character is reflects the level of investment in the fight. 
So, so, so in that Ahsoka and Asajj example, when there should be a clear victor there because of prior depiction and there isn't one, my investment in that fight is kind of shot. Now, of course, of course, of course, of course, 100% of course, you can have interesting fights where someone is clearly significantly less powerful than an opponent. That's, that is where other elements come into play, like intelligence. Um, but in the Ahsoka Asajj example, there's nothing to suggest that Ahsoka's outthinking Ventress in any way. They're just dueling equally. And the question is how? <laughs> um, <laughs> my, my brain goes straight to anime and it shouldn't. <laughs> it should never do that, but it does. And let me explain. Any good fighting-based anime or story, it doesn't have to be anime, any good fighting-based story has what we call a power crawl. A power crawl is how a character gains strength through whatever means as the story progresses. Uh, a very good example of that would be Avatar The Last Airbender. In each season, Aang learns how to master a new element, right? And then at the end, he has them all mastered and has to fight the Fire Lord, right? That's the point of Avatar The Last Airbender. That is an example of a good power crawl. But anyways, yeah, so power crawl. How a character gains strength through whatever means necessary so that they can fight the big bad guy. And I have a feeling I'm, I'm not going to get that in this series. I don't think I'm going to get a good power crawl. <laughs> Because, because my guess is is the writers are going to want to focus on other things, which is totally, that's their prerogative. But as a viewer consuming the media, if something doesn't register in my brain, I have to question it. That's just the way it is. And ultimately, it's a question of how deep do you want to analyze this stuff, right? And, and it doesn't just apply to Jedi and Sith either. Uh, the clone troopers themselves, they suffer from power fluctuation. Captain Rex... In one episode, this dude, Captain Rex, gets his leg nearly broken by just a normal-ass trooper at one point. Captain Rex was fighting a traitor. And Rex is like an established ARC trooper, which is like um, like your clone commando, right? Like he's, he's like he's like the equivalent of a Navy SEAL. And this guy's getting taken out by the equivalent of general infantry. <laughs> and, and my brain remembers that those clone commandos, like Rex, they're supposed to be like the realest of the real. <laughs> it, to, if memory serves me correct, they were trained by Jango Fett himself, like personally. And, and I just saw Rex get suplexed by a random clone. There's there's a disconnect in my, in my brain there, you know what I mean? Um, but it, in any case... I hope this is something that gets better over time because I'm into Star Wars fights just like anybody else, but I like my fights to make sense, even the little ones. Um, so we'll see how that goes over time. Um, the Force obviously is a whole other conversation, but from what I can recall from this first season, it's been used pretty appropriately. Um, I think I think Mace Windu actually uses an old Force technique called Shattered Point on Ryloth. Um, or at least I think it's Shatterpoint. He puts his palm on the glass window of a tank and it like it shatters without him really moving his hand at all. And that used to be an old technique from the um, from the Legends universe in which <laughs> it was a very, very like advanced technique that was used to like change fate or something. If, if I'm remembering that correctly, 
Anyway, I remember it was called Shatterpoint, and if that actually was a reference to Shatterpoint, that's a very, very, really, really cool reference that uh, did not go unnoticed, so that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I guess my final general thoughts are that season one was okay at best. Hopefully it's just first season weirdness, as with most shows that exist, um, but on my wish list for season two, um, I would like fights that make more sense. I would like more stuff with side characters and side Jedi, uh, less jokey jokes, less Jar Jar, and hopefully just a little bit more overall maturity and improved animation if that's possible. But like the animation's not bad. It's just it's just me getting used to the art style, I think, is the the mental block there. But um, yeah, I think that that pretty much sums up. It, it, this was kind of a... Uh, <laughs> Kind of as a general thoughts, like I said, nothing too specific, but just feeling out how I have experienced this first season, given my strange and hopefully competently articulated <laughs> relationship and perspective going into this series. Um, because again, just in general, as a Star Wars fan, it's been it, it, it's kind of cool playing catch up, um, just seeing how how the clone wars is being adapted this time around because this is this is uh as far as canon goes this is the established way so yeah it'll be interesting seeing how it plays out from here i'm looking forward to season two hopefully it's better hopefully i enjoy it a lot more um but yeah thanks for tuning into this first episode of aaron grumbles about um hopefully you guys enjoyed it and like i said at the beginning please feel free to leave your thoughts on the Clone Wars. I'd love to talk about it with you. And uh, hopefully you continue with me on this journey as I go through season by season and hopefully learn to love it just as much as you guys do. You can find the A&M Podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast under the A&M Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at A&M Podcast and on Instagram at Aaron and Marco. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you guys next time for Season 2. Peace.